glad that you're here with us this morning. Uh, I don't know if you guys see above my shoulder, we are starting a new series today. It's called Son of None. We're looking at the book of Joshua and Joshua himself, his story. I'm pretty pumped about it. Evan killed the graphic once again. Fantastic. Uh, Dave did a really good job with the opening song. I mean, it, you know, I know it seems obvious, but it got me all pumped up. I'm ready to fight somebody. Uh, in a good way, in a good way. I'm ready to fight somebody for Jesus is what I mean. Um, nothing negative. Now, Joshua, as we're about to see, he was given some huge, and I do mean huge, shoes to fill. So after the death of Moses, he was chosen by God to lead the Israelites. And in chapter, in chapter, in chapter, that's what happens when you combine Joshua and chapter together, you get chapter. In chapter 1 of Joshua, verses 5 through 9, God encourages, he affirms, and he educates Joshua on what it will take to successfully lead his people. Now, his instructions are meaningful for us as well. I know that probably isn't completely shocking to you that the Bible would have meaningful instructions for us, and therefore it's important for us to cover. Uh, but we're going to discuss throughout the series what we can specifically learn from the story of Joshua. So I'm going to go ahead and read uh, verses 5 through 9 in Joshua chapter 1 if you want to follow along on the screen or in a Bible app or in a Bible. Uh, we would appreciate that. It says, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Important to know that this is God talking to Joshua. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, verse 5 and 6, as we said, they're delivered in light of Joshua being commissioned for a task that would seem to very many to be impossible. It was the same way to Moses, right? God gave Moses this task. I want you to lead my people, the Israelites, to the promised land. And what do we see Moses do? He was like, no, sir. Pick someone else, anybody else, right? Not now, not me. I don't speak well. I'm not meant to be a leader, and yet God still calls him anyways. And so here's Joshua being given that same task, the one that Moses led the people through for so many years. And the thing about Joshua, the thing you need to learn about Joshua is that Joshua was a faithful man. He believed in God. And so there wasn't an instant, at least in this commission, where he was like, no, God, not me. He took God's encouragement and he took onus of the job and said, I'm going to lead our people. Now, the task, as I said, was impossible to many, definitely daunting. So they were to enter and conquer the land of Canaan. Now, what we need to know is that the Canaanites were a vast tribe. They consisted of a lot of different tribes. There was a lot of land that they contained, and they lived in these huge fortified cities. That's why we have the song, The Walls of Jericho, right? The walls of Jericho come down and the song with the kids. I don't remember the tune because I didn't grow up in church really and nobody ever sang it to me. So shame on my parents if you're watching. I blame you. But anyways, 
They lived in these huge, huge fortified cities. And they lived also in a very mountainous region, and they were always going to battle. So their soldiers weren't just tested. They were top-notch. And living in this mountainous region, it made it very difficult for the Israelites to do any of their normal military maneuvers. So the task laid before them, honestly, was very impossible. We can't fight the way we normally fight. We are vastly outnumbered. Look at these fortified cities. How are we even supposed to be able to get inside of them? And yet God is calling us to enter this land and to conquer these people. How could it ever be? But God calls Joshua and he also gives him a few promises as he calls him. First, no one will be able to stand against him. Secondly, that God would be with him as he was with Moses. And thirdly, that God would never leave or forsake him. Now stop me if you have heard this before, but when God lays a task before you, he's already decided the outcome. I want you to be very aware of that and to be able to wrap our heads around that. He will stand by you as you work towards completing it, and he won't leave you hostage to the outcome. Now, for some of you, you're saying, Pastor, haven't we covered this like once in the last few sermon series? For some of you, you haven't listened really. It's a brand new point, so hold on to that. All right, hold on to this. But what I would say to you is, yes, this has repetitively, repetitively come up. And each time it comes up, I make sure that I mention it, right? Because if this happens just one time, if it just happens occasionally even, it, it's an isolated incident. But if it happens over and over and over and over and over and over again, then it's who God is. And what we are doing today is establishing God's character. I made a decision about a year ago that I was just going to preach from the Bible and I was going to preach what was in the Bible. And I know that that sounds like a duh thing to say, but a lot of pastors, and I was guilty of it too, will think to themselves, you know, we need to speak on this. I need to address this. This needs to be in a message soon. And so they build a whole series around it and they find a set of scripture that kind of fits what they want to talk about and they deliver it in that way. And I don't want to do that because what happens, the danger that you get into is that at times you can start to twist scripture. And I believe that that's sinful where you make scripture fit what it is that you want to say, right? You make scripture support your stance, your belief. And about, like I said, a year ago, I decided I, w I wasn't going to do that anymore. I would pick parts of scripture that maybe I haven't covered, things that interested me, a character that I wanted to focus on, and I would look through their story and I would just talk about what was there. Because obviously what was there was important and it's what God wanted us to know, right? And it was about a year ago that this point that I just talked about being repetitive, and I'm sure some of you are hard, not hard, tired of hearing, just keep showing up. It's just always there. And one of the lessons that I held on to, one of the things that I remember from college when we were doing biblical studies, and it, it, it's a simple lesson as any that you could get. If something shows up over and over and over again, and if it's repetitive, then it's important to God and it should be important for you. And so here it is. This is who God is. This is God. He is steadfast. He is strong. He is supportive. He is encouraging. He is close. And yet so many of us doubt that. 
Not that God necessarily could be encouraging, but so often we feel like we are not supported. So often we feel like we are so distant from God. And what God continues to try to show us is that the distance occurs because of us and not because of him. Because he wants to be in that type of relationship with us. That is the God that we have and that is the God that we need to share. The God that loves, the God that wants to be in a tight-knit, close relationship. We have a God that wants to support you, a God that wants to build you up. This is not prosperity gospel. This is biblical. But you know what? Frankly, and this is maybe a little shocking because God's character doesn't change, but it does come with a bit of a caveat. You see, this is the God that God wants us to experience. But in order to have this experience, we have to exhibit strength and courage. And this is kind of what he wanted Joshua to understand. Listen, this is what I'm telling you about our relationship. No one will stand against you. I'll be with you like I was with Moses. You need to understand that the conclusion has already been made, but you're going to have to be strong and you're going to have to be courageous. You're going to have to be faithful and you're going to have to stay by my side like I want to stay by your side. Because every time we see the Bible, a story in the Bible, when somebody comes up short or when an outcome changes from what God says it will be, it oftentimes isn't because God changed his mind. There are instances where God says, hey, I'm going to destroy this city. Someone prays, hey, please don't. And he says, okay, well, maybe I won't, right? He changes his mind in those instances. But when it comes to saying, this is the promise I'm making you, and this is what it will be, that only does not occur when the person the promise is made to turns their back on God in this situation, right? There's a reason that the Israelites kept having to wander the desert, it was because they had turned their back on God when he had already promised them and given them the future that they were to have. And here they are, long after they were supposed to receive it, trying to go and receive the blessing that God had wanted to provide for them. And so three times in this passage from verses 6 to 9, we have God telling Joshua, encouraging Joshua to be strong and courageous. We often don't see it, but a, being a person of faith requires a strength and a courage that people in the outside world, frankly, don't understand. And oftentimes, we as believers don't understand. We must be strong and we must be courageous. You know, it's one thing when the opposition is overt and it's obvious I think that that's actually easier for us to combat and deal with. When we see somebody persecuting us with their words and their actions, that's easier for us as Christians to fight because we can stand against that and say, that's what's happening and that's not right. But it's an entirely different thing when it's passive and at times not explicit, like living in a culture that doesn't share our principles at its core. You know, if we're Christians in China, we know we're not welcome. And they have this whole system of underground churches so that they can still gather and be followers and push for the kingdom. And they know that they're not welcome. But we live in a country that still gives us enough religious freedom that we aren't living in a society that overtly persecutes us in a way that will cost us our life or our liberty. 
But we live in a culture that says that we have to supplant biblical truth with personal ones at the risk of being canceled. It's okay to have our faith as long as it only remains our faith. It's okay for you to believe in Jesus as long as you don't try to get others to believe in Jesus. That's your truth and I have my truth. But the problem is that as Christians, we have the truth. The issue with personal truths is that what they really are is personal opinions. This is how I feel. This is what I think about this situation. And I think as Christians, we don't have that luxury. We just don't. It's either what the Bible says or it's not. The Bible is either true or it's not. The entirety of scripture is either useful for teaching and preaching and admonishing and doing all the things that it is meant to do or it's not. And so we have to stand and make that choice and make that decision. What is it going to be for me? How am I going to live my life? So we look at other places in the Bible. We look at Exodus 15.2. It says, the Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. My father's God and I will exalt him. That copied twice. I'm not sure why. Isaiah 12.2. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. If we look at Isaiah 40, 31, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and they will not grow weary. They will walk and they will not be faint. You see, where do we find strength? We find strength by obeying the law of Moses. That's where Joshua was going to find his strength. We find strength by being steadfast and true to God's teaching. By living our life according to the way that the Bible says we should live our life. And the fact of the matter is that we have to know the Bible in order to know God. See, he encourages Joshua over and over again to be strong and to be courageous. And scripture lets us know over and over again that God is the source of our strength. We can be strong. We can be steadfast. We can stand true. We can stand against the face of opposition and persecution because we have strength in our God. And having a God that is strong, that will fight the battle for us and alongside us, that has already secured the outcome, should encourage us to have courage. We must have strength and courage in order to finish our fight, so to speak, in order to finish the race, in order to one day hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. But in order to know God, in order to be in that relationship with God where we are faithful and we are true, we have to know God. And he tells Joshua in 7 and 8, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, and then you will be prosperous and successful. 
Then you will be prosperous and successful. If you meditate on my word, if you keep it on your lips, if you build that connection with me that cannot be broken, you will find prosperous prosperity and you will find success. What does that mean for us? Well, we have this thing called the Bible. And we're supposed to read it. And we're supposed to commit it to our hearts and keep it on our lips and meditate on it day and night and learn from its teachings and try to put those teachings into actions so that we are daily living our lives by the word of God. There is power there. There is strength there. There is courage there. There is encouragement there. There is God's truth inside of that thing that we call the Holy Bible. Too many of us look at it as if it's some supplement to our faith when it's God's revelation of himself to us. And it cannot and should not be ignored. You know, when you try to lose weight, which this will shock you, I try to do a whole lot of the time because I'm large. They tell you that your diet right? is like 80 or 90% of it. You can exercise, yes, but if your diet is not right, you're not going to reach your goal. And I honestly think that our relationship with Scripture works a lot in the same way. Hear me on this before you just completely get lost because I was talking about losing weight, all right? We have this relationship with God, and we focus on things like going to church, and helping the needy and other things, good things, things that are important, just like exercise would be important. But our diet isn't right. What we're putting into our bodies, what we're partaking in, what we're filling ourselves with isn't God. It isn't scriptures. It's Netflix and Amazon's daily deals and our Spotify playlists. I'm trying to think all the things I really enjoy. Right? We fill ourselves with all these things that have no eternal importance and we miss out on the word of God. Now I'm going to tell you something that I don't want to tell you because it makes me uncomfortable because it shows as your pastor that I have failed this year. But a while ago, I laid out a task before the church. I said, hey, we're going to do a yearly Bible reading plan. We're going to read through the Bible in a year. We're going to do it. And I'm going to be real honest with you. I stopped a couple months in and it was kind of okay because the majority of you stopped as well. Uh, (laughs) Well before I stopped, so I felt like, yeah, I'm covered, right? <laughs> like, like, I'm going to stop because I'm just getting so far behind, and I came up with all the excuses of being too busy and all the other things that made it not work, but y'all that were doing it had all stopped too, and so it's like, I'm fine. The only person that was still doing it, to my knowledge, and that still has been doing it, and Phil, you might be, so forgive me if you are. I don't want to call you out if you're not, but I'm just admitting to what I've done. The only person, to my knowledge, that is still on track, still doing it every day, has been my beautiful wife, Jerrica. Now, I don't, I don't say that necessarily to brag on her, but to tell you that through this past year, as she is reading through the Bible and she has made her way through a vast majority of it, I have seen a change in her. And I have zero doubt that it is because of the connection that she has to God through Scripture. 
She's always been a person who's been strong and courageous, but I've seen this woman turn into somebody who's an evangelist, who will share her faith in the most uncomfortable situations, regardless of what it may mean for her as an outcome, because she loves people, she sees their need for that God as well, and she continues to push. I've seen people around us change. People come to church who would have never stepped foot inside of a church before because of her relationships that she's building, not because she thinks this is a task that I have to check off my list, but because she has a genuine love for people that has always been there as long as I've known her, but has blossomed and been fostered by her time that I am completely confident because of what she's done with scripture. And she's in it every day. And it's changed her. And the fact of the matter is we should all be in it every day because it will change us. You see, it's not one of those things that like, hey, if you do this, this might happen. It's if you do this, this is definitely going to happen. And so here is God talking to Joshua saying, hey, your ancestors failed in this task before you. I want you to take it over. I want to, you to lead our people into the promised land, but you have to understand that you're going to have to hold tight to me. And if you read the book of Joshua, you'll see that like so many others, he fails. He is a really good leader. He's one of the best the Israelites had, and yet he still turns from the right or the left of God's word. But if we want to experience this God that we see in this passage, then we have to stay true to the task that's laid before us. And the only way that we can do that, I'm going to say it again, is by building that relationship, that foundational relationship with him. And again, it says in verse 8, keep the book of the law always on your lips, meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. You see, for Joshua, prosperous and successful was inheriting the land that God promised the nation of Israel. For us, prosperous and successful is inheriting the kingdom of heaven. You see, so many of us can read this passage and have pastors tell us when we read this passage that if you just listen to Jesus, he's going to give you your heart's desire. You're going to get a raise. You're going to get a bigger house. You'll have a boat and a jacuzzi car and it's like, okay, shut up, because that's not what's in Scripture, right? That is prosperity gospel. We're going to promise you all these things because it makes you feel good. And then it doesn't happen, and you forget who God is, and you lose out on who God really is. So understand that being prosperous and successful for the Christian has nothing to do with what happens here on earth. It is all about inheriting the kingdom of heaven. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God, so we need to be right doers. I copyrighted that. It's going to be on a shirt. Be a right doer, right? We have to be right doers. And right doers keep the word of God close to their hearts. So, with a bunch of O's, a long so, Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Hear me on this. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, won't you be with him? Let's pray. 
Dear God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. I thank you for your encouragement that you provide for us continuously in your scripture. I thank you that we don't have to guess who you are because you show us who you are. You reveal yourself to us. 66 beautifully written books. We need not have questions because you show us, you teach us, you encourage us, you raise us up. And all you ask in return is the same commitment to you that you give to us. So God, all around this room today, there are people who I know because I am one of them that need to be better. that need to strengthen that relationship that they have with you, that need to devote their time to things of importance, to meditate on your word and your scriptures and your teachings so that we may be changed and so that we may change the world around us. And yes, God, it takes strength. And yes, it takes courage because we will undoubtedly face opposition. And we will offend. But as the saying goes, God, let the gospel be the offense. Let us live lives that show that we love others in a way that can't be questioned. That even though we may not believe the same, we will still love the same. So that nothing in us shines through but only your character and only who you have made us. God, we ask these things in your son's powerful name and we ask for strength and courage. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Stand and worship with us now. I'm gonna be down front. I will put a mask on. If you would like to come pray with me, please come pray with me. If you'd like to use our stage as an altar, that's what it's here for. It is available to you. If you need to talk about salvation and what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, then by all means, please do so. In a couple of weeks, we are going to have a baptism service. If you've never been baptized, but you have been saved and you want to make that profession of faith and you want to be baptized, come see me. We'll get your name on the list. I'll dunk you and hold you under for just a little extra longer to try to shake off all the rest. Let's stand and let's worship now.